look out below. Hi, I'm Philip Blumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Turn Limits Movement for the week of October 28th, 2019. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. A new axis of self-interested legislators and special interests in Michigan are planning on extending their power and their tenure, and they will be taking the low road to get there. U.S. Turn Limits Executive Director Nick Tombalides is on the case. Hey, Nick. How are you? Okay, so in Michigan, uh, we have some trouble brewing. Back in 1992, the voters, with 59% of the vote, passed turn limits law in their state legislature, six years in the House, eight years in the state Senate. And it's been successful there and popular with the people like it is in every other state that's passed term limits. But we're hearing that there's an effort underway to try to overturn the people's term limits law. What's going on in Michigan, Nick? Right. Well, I have a confession to make. Okay. I'm now a conspiracy theorist. Oh, no. Okay. Let's hear it. Look, look, look. <laughs> I, I don't believe in the lizard people. I don't believe in aliens. I don't think they faked the moon landing. Okay. And I don't think Elvis is alive, except in our hearts. But I do believe a conspiracy is afoot in Michigan. And it's a conspiracy among the political elites to screw over the voters and repeal term limits. Okay. To prove this conspiracy, I don't need a magnifying glass. I don't need a trench coat. I don't need to do a bunch of caffeine-induced Googling. The frickin' dopes are admitting to it. They're admitting to it in the press all over Michigan. There's an article out, just out yesterday. It's from a group called City Pulse. It's called Breakthrough Coalition Working on Expanding Term Limits. First of all, you're not expanding term limits because if you did that, you'd be adding it to more offices. But it's not a coalition. Enough with the doublespeak. It's a damned conspiracy. It's the Michigan legislators and their cigar-chomping lobbyist buddies, and they are plotting, they are scheming how they can gut the existing term limits law and keep their power forever. Oh, boy. And this law, by the way, mind you, that a big majority of Michiganders passed at the ballot box in 1992. Sure. So they are throwing the voters under the bus. If you live in Michigan, call up your state legislator right now and say, what the hell is this, man? Mm -hmm. How self-serving are you? Mm -hmm. Well, self-serving is what it is. Um, I think they're talking about extending these terms as much as 20 years. And I guess the proposal hasn't been totally nailed down, but that's the word we're getting, that they're looking for 20 years between the two houses. And this is something that they want to see on the ballot in 2020 in Michigan. They can currently do six years in the state house, at least, and eight in the state senate. Right. So if you're in the state house, 20 years would be more than tripling what your term limit is. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, and the ringleaders on this are the majority leader in the senate, a guy named Mike Shirky, very aptly named, and then the <laughs> speaker of the house, Lee Chatfield. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a quote in this piece from Shirky. He says, the leader... Well, this is a quote from his press office, because in Michigan, you're not just a part-time legislator like most states. These are full-time oh, legislators sure. who rake in around six figures when you consider the salary and benefits and mm -hmm. pension and all that. It says he has a known interest in addressing the issue of term limits and the fact that they have been a failed experiment in Michigan. <laughs> Get this, Phil. The same guy who calls his own legislature a failure— Right. What was he saying two years ago when he was running for re-election? He said, this is another quote from him, two years past. Mm -hmm. 
We have made tremendous strides in creating a positive business environment in Michigan that has resulted in the creation of 540,000 new jobs. He added, <laughs> Michigan, has, Michigan has made a remarkable turnaround in the term limits era. Those are quotes. Okay, so look, here's what's happening here. When he's running for re-election, this state is in great shape thanks to us. But when he's trying to overturn term limits, is this state is a wreck thanks to term limits. Yes. He's singing totally different tune. Now right. saying the sky is going to fall over Michigan if a bunch of dopey politicians don't get some extra time to sit behind a desk and fart. <laughs> I'm sorry. This this is infuriating to me. Right. These guys are so full of crap that we should install flushers on the sides of their faces. <laughs> this is exactly why we do what we do. This is why U.S. term limits exist because politicians, actually people in general, people, when you give them this tiny little bit of power, they become sociopaths. That's it. You know, Shirky's doublespeak regarding this, the two faces of Michigan, is going to be a template for what they are going to have to do to try to get this to pass. Because remember, it has to go through the voters. We know the voters are for it. We know it's been successful in the state. But because it's popular, they can't just put it on the ballot and say, okay, we're going to overturn term limits or we're going to weaken term limits. It wouldn't pass. So they're looking around the country for things that have worked or things that have almost worked, and they're going to try to apply these tactics in Michigan. One of them certainly is they're going to try to take the poison pill of term limits and hide it with a bunch of other proposals that the public loves. And then they're going to put a fancy name on it that makes it sound like the opposite of what it is. And they're going to call it an ethics bill, or they're going to call it a good government bill when it's really a self-service bill. Um, there's no question about it. Now, Shirky is the kind of person that speaks in this manner. He is a deceptive person and, and he's going to be basically in charge <laughs> of this effort. Yeah. But like I said, it's literally a conspiracy. You've got big politics and big business in the same room deciding how to slice and dice up the term limits. And let me ask you, who's not in that room with them deciding what should happen? The people. The people of Michigan, the other 9,999,000 people who work hard and pay these guys salary, they were never consulted on any of this. And we know this from polling. We know the people of Michigan are against longer term limits. The people like term limits just the way they are. And what you said is exactly right. They can't change term limits without voter approval, but they've got the slick, sleazy, slimy way around it. Hide the longer term limits inside a fake ethics measure. Voters go in the ballot box. They see ethics reform. They vote yes. And the next day, poof, term limits are gone and nobody knows what happens. That's right. It's like a, it's a weapon of mass corruption, man. It's a conspiracy run amok. Well, we're going to do some education in that state. Uh, make sure the voters know that this is about upending um, and nixing the term limits not about good government. And if the people know that when they go into the ballot box, it'll be shot down. Welcome to The Politics, guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Trey Orndorff, a political scientist at Oklahoma Christian University. And in today's interview show, I'm joined by Nick Tumbalides of U.S. Term Limits. Kind of the argument here is that Congress is unpopular, but what about to the individual who say, but I like reelecting my individual. Isn't that my democratic right? I've seen this person in office. It's my chance to reelect them again and again. Uh, well, it's an interesting question, and I think part of that is people who really like their congressman or woman and want to reelect them. Another part of it is just the epidemic of uh, of uncompetitive elections that we have in this country. Over 90% of elections for the U.S. House every two years are either 
uncontested or undercontested, meaning that the incumbent has no challenger at all. Um, my former Congresswoman, Rosa DeLauro, she hasn't had a challenger in a Democratic primary in over 10 years. Um, and that's a Democratic district. It's never going to go Republican. So the Democrats in that district have no functional choice. Even if they wanted to vote her out, um, they couldn't. And then the other percentage are undercontested, meaning someone is running, but it's not a serious candidate. It's a gadfly who's just put their name on the ballot for fun, maybe raised $5,000, and they're up against a multi-million dollar political machine, so they have no chance. So part of the reason why people continue to retain their own congressman is that they don't have a choice to not do that. To hear the full interview, go to politicsguys.com and pull up the archive page for October 2019. One thing we sometimes overlook about term limits, because we tend, some of us uh, tend to fall into partisan thinking at times, at least in this modern political environment of America, but that term limits is chiefly an election reform. Term limits is, is mainly about curtailing the power of incumbency, stimulating competition, and bringing these new faces and new voices, new perspectives into campaigns, giving voters real meaningful choices so incumbents can't just run roughshod over the political process. And in Michigan, what you've seen is that is happening. You look at the states without term limits, they're not so lucky. Illinois, it is not unusual for over half of the legislative elections to be canceled every two years because the incumbent is running unopposed. Uh, the speaker there has been in office for nearly 50 years. He's been speaker, I think, for 35 of those years. Maybe that's why this Michigan speaker, who's only 31 years old, is so uh, adamant about <laughs> abolishing term limits. Maybe he wants to be the Michigan version of uh, Michael Madigan, right. the speaker in Illinois. Yeah. By the way, I'm just going to like make an executive decision right now. Okay. I hereby rescind. This is through executive order. Okay. I rescind all scammy awards from their prior recipients, oh. and I reallocate them to the Michigan legislature. Whoa. Well, let's not there's going to be some there's going to be some folks in the Michigan legislature that are going to be fighting this tooth and nail. Um, so we're going to have to narrow this down a little bit. By the way, as an organization, I'll just tell you, we're going to bring political pain to Michigan for anyone who supports this power grab. Oh yeah. Republican, Democrat, whatever. We're talking nuclear code red. Yeah. Stuff, mail, digital ads, radio ads, Trojan horses, whatever it takes to reveal this corruption to the public and stop and it. And it is corruption. This is low, low, low politics. Amen. Speaking of corruption, as we often do on this podcast, uh, we have a new story from Maryland. Former delegate Tawana Gaines from Prince George's County pleaded guilty last week of wire fraud. Um, adding herself to an already very long list of Maryland lawmakers who have been convicted, charged, or reprimanded for corruption and other ethical issues in recent years. There is a political scientist out of Illinois who recently commented, ironically, that Maryland is one of the most corrupt states in the United States. And as someone from Illinois, um, that's really saying something. Yeah, this delegate, uh, Tawana Gaines, is, is going places. Where is she going? Prison. Uh, <laughs> you know it. For, what is it? Drum roll. Wire fraud. Right. That's right. Wire fraud. Yeah. Wire fraud is like the official crime of politicians. Yep. You know how Coors is the official beer of Major League Baseball? Right. Wire fraud needs a sponsorship. <laughs> the government brought to you by wire fraud. Right. I didn't even know people use wires anymore. What is this, like the Orient Express? Right. Um, but any, anyway, Tawana Gaines, she was in office 18 years 
she's called delegate. She's the equivalent of a state rep in Maryland. Uh, spending campaign money on personal expenses they included fast food, hair styling, dental work, a cover for her swimming pool, and an Amazon Prime membership, which means her orange jumpsuit will get free two-day shipping. Um, <laughs> there, there were some great quotes from this professor saying Maryland is very corrupt. It's quite alarming. You don't often hear that about term limit states. You do in rare instances, but very few people believe Florida or Michigan are corrupt. It's usually places like New Jersey, Illinois, New York, Maryland that come to mind right off the bat. States that have the same crooked dudes who just stick around for life. And it says she's the third delegate from Prince George's County to be charged or convicted since 2018. It's interesting. There have been three delegates from Prince George's County who've been charged or convicted but there haven't been any county commissioners from Prince George's who have been hauled away. And the Prince George's County Commission has term limits. Yep. Not that the Prince George's uh, County Commissioners actually like that. They've been fighting a tooth and nail ever since the voters passed it in 1992. Um, but you're right. They're limited in their tenure. And that sort of limits their nefarious activities. I mean, I don't know this delegate Gaines personally, and I don't know much about her personally. But my guess is, just from my general knowledge of this issue, is that she probably wasn't corrupt when she started. But sometime over the 18 years that she's been in office, she became full of herself, arrogant, saw opportunities, saw other people doing it, felt like this is just the way it's done, rationalized it to herself, and over that time became corrupt. And now she's probably going to go to prison for it. Representative Francis Rooney of Florida is the House sponsor of the U.S. Term Limits Amendment Bill. First elected to Congress in 2016 and now in his second term, Representative Rooney is already announcing his retirement. He explains why on Fox News last week. Why are, do you think they are so hesitant to speak out in the way that you have if they believe the same thing? You know, that gets into the big picture of this whole entire job and how it's, it's so stacked against taking risk and it's so dependent on the, the quest for re-election and raising money and not wanting to offend anybody. It's not, I don't think, what the founders had in mind. I mean, that's one of the big reasons you came to Congress it's from, from Naples, yeah. where you were ambassador to the Holy See, and you said, hey, I really want to serve. That's sort of what the founders envisioned. You've been here since 2017. You came in as a freshman in January. Uh, do you need a third term? You I'm want not, one? I don't really think I do, and I don't really think I want one. I, I came here to get the money for the Everglades projects that had been languishing for many years and to try to get this offshore drilling ban passed to protect Florida that Jeb, President Bush and Mel Martinez and Bill Nelson got done in 2006. And I thought it might take three terms. I said three terms, but I, I think I've done it in less than two. We've gotten over 10 times as much money per year for the Everglades as they ever got. We've got all the major projects underway. Uh, so just to, just to button this up, if we put up a list of the Republicans who've said they are not going to run again in 2020. Uh, do we add your picture there? Yes, you do. Yeah, I've done what I came to do. And I want to be a, a model for term limits. You know, I'm the guy that came up with a term limits bill that right. doesn't require a constitutional amendment. People need to realize this is, as you said, Leland, public service, not public life. Where is that model missing in Congress? You're, annou you're announcing your retirement after two years. Nobody does that. Most of the people on the graphic that we just put up are from districts that are incredibly tight, swing districts and a lot of, you know, you put up Will Hurd and others who won by a point, half a point in the past. Uh, your district is Republican plus 22. You could be That's there right. for as long as you want. Sure. Which is a problem that way, too. 
you know, I thought the idea was that you came and did your public service and left. You accomplished what you want to accomplish, and you left. And that's what I want to be an example to do. And I'm also really tired of the intense partisanship that seems to stop us from solving the big questions that America needs solved. Do you feel like this announcement frees you up a little bit? No, I'll just do the same thing I was going to do anyway. And you don't know what you're going to do? You know, it's just like we raise our kids and tell our employees. You have to do the right thing at all times. Should leaders of medical schools have term limits? A new paper published in the New England Journal of Medicine argues that they should and that without a policy shift for term limits, there would be a lack of diversity and a lack of new perspectives and ideas in medical schools. That is a new paper published by Dr. Reshma Jagsi. It's a perspective piece. Term limits in medical school leadership. How do you feel about that, Phil? Well, it's interesting, and it, it sort of underscores some of the points we make on this podcast over and over again. If you have any entrenched person in a position of authority, um, it creates a situation where people that are moving through the system don't have any opportunity. And it also means that new ideas and faces can't enter the process, so it takes a really long time for changes that are occurring to show up in that institution. And we see this most prominently and most importantly in democratic institutions, but even in private institutions – People see the value of having that turnover and having new ideas welcomed in. And this is another example of that. I was never able to get into medical school. I did get into law school, the shady and far less prestigious cousin of medical school. <laughs> right. but, but I would love to think a lack of term limits is the reason the medical community didn't want me. <laughs> it's, it's an okay. interesting story because elected officials are always actually pointing to the medical field and saying, you wouldn't want to term limit doctors, would you? Oh, well, at right. least on the educational side of medicine, doctors are telling us term limits is a good idea. They're saying it's going to shake things up, improve diversity. We're reaching a point where a majority of doctors are women for the first time, but these are highly qualified females, highly qualified, who are not getting opportunities they deserve in medical school leadership because the leaders are highly paid tenured men who just never want to leave. By the way, we here at U.S. Term Limits, we don't believe in diversity for just the sake of diversity, but we do believe in that these institutions should reflect the society that they serve. You know, if you've got a majority of doctors who are now women, meaning that women are coming through the process, they're serving capably in these roles, and yet you've got leadership positions controlled primarily by men, that means the leadership positions don't reflect the current state of medicine. And there's some good quotes in here. This researcher said, in academic medicine, clinical departments in particular have access to very large budgets and department chairs tend to wield substantial power to allocate these funds. Even a very altruistic person will tend to want to have continued access to those resources. Doesn't that sound like the committee system in Congress? It does. And that's the kind of positions in the private world where tournaments are appropriate. There's an enormous number of positions where tournaments are not appropriate in the private world. And certainly when you're talking to a doctor doing his job as a doctor. But for a lot of these administrative things, bureaucratic things, and certainly anything involving representation – you're going to see some of the same phenomena that you see in democratic institutions, and term limits may be a positive reform. And this paper doesn't come out of the blue. I mean, just earlier this year, the National Institutes of Health announced that nearly 300 laboratory and branch chiefs will now be limited to 12-year terms for similar reasons. You get in this spot, you have power and prestige, you don't want to leave, and it prevents things from moving forward and progressing as fast as they normally would. And so that's why we are seeing it in this field. That's why we've seen it in the uh, nonprofit field, particularly with boards of directors, 
where it's been very effective and now has become the norm. And there's, again, there's all kinds of places in the private sector uh, where tournaments are appropriate. Right. And CEOs also, by the way, tend to have an average tenure, depending on which numbers you look at, between six and eight years. So boards of directors making the decision on a CEO tend to acknowledge that a renewal of perspectives is is helpful for corporate institutions. But I just think it's fascinating the, the parallels here that medical schools have their own little power cluster where the funds are dispersed by these long tenured chairs. It's so similar to Congress. And, you know, I, I totally agree with what this researcher says. You get diminishing returns when you only have one person's vision as opposed to bringing in other points of view. It's like new perspectives, more diversity, healthy for any institution. Uh, let's see it happen. Let's get behind this. and Hopefully it can, you know, be a trend. Yep. Onward and upward. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No Uncertain Terms. If you live in Michigan, please prepare to defend your state's voter-approved tournaments law. If the voters recognize the anti-tournaments proposal is just that, it will fail. We don't need to convince our neighbors that tournaments are a good idea, but only to inform them that the upcoming proposal is a trick to weaken or abolish them. If you haven't already, please like the Michigan Term Limits page on Facebook so you will stay fully informed of all the latest news on this anti-voter conspiracy. We should have a Michigan Action page up by next week as well. U.S. Term Limits will be committing financial resources to this educational campaign in Michigan, and you can help us at termlimits.com forward slash donate. Thank you. We'll be back next week. The revolution isn't being televised. Fortunately, you have No Uncertain Terms podcast. U-S-T-L Medical schools. We got medical schools here? No, I think government should just control medical schools. <laughs> well, that's coming. Make me Dean Bernie. I'll run a medical school into the ground, just like I did in that college in, in uh, Burlington. <laughs> it went into bankruptcy, mm-hmm. but don't worry. It wasn't bankruptcy. It was democratic bankruptcy, so it's different. Yep.